Psalm 113 is a beautiful passage I want to um, fly over in this time to start our prayer time. Uh, it's a beautiful psalm I've really come to love the last couple of years. Um, whoever the psalmist was seems to have written it after meditating on the story of Hannah, the barren mother who poured out her soul to the Lord because he quotes her her song of praise at the end of the psalm. But the psalm begins with, with a call to worship. In verse 1 through 3, it calls servants of the Lord to worship and then people all over the earth. And then it ends with a giving us a picture of our great and gracious God that we ought to worship. It begins in verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same. The Lord's name is to be praised. This is a call to servants of the Lord. It's a call to all of us who have submitted ourselves to God and acknowledged that Jesus is our master. But how long should we be praising him? Verse 2 tells us, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth forevermore. This time, this moment, we ought to be praising him now and continuing in our praise. Praying, we, we talk about praying without ceasing, but we also should be praising without ceasing. It should be a way of life for us. As Frances Havergal put it in her classic hymn, take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. But let me ask, is our ceaseless praise enough as God's servant? Or is God worthy of more? Is the king worthy of more than the honor of his servants? Yes, he's worthy of more. And verse 3 tells us, From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. From sunset, from sunrise to sunset, from east to west, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, Every person who lives under the light of the sun ought to praise the name of our Lord. We're reminded of the promise that many of us have been praying this and reminded of this. Stephen shared in an email a while ago, Malachi 1.11, which is the same, the same picture here. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place, incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering. So here is the promise that this will happen. And this is a prayer that we can continue. Keep praying that all the nations from all over the earth, the people will praise our God. Isn't this the very core reason why we gather here to pray? Because like the psalmist, we're not content. That our Lord just receives the praise of just a select few. That we desire thousands upon thousands 
even those who don't yet regard God as their master and haven't considered themselves a servant, that they would regard him as the, the great God, that they would stand in awe of him and, and worship him. And we're praying for this because this is an, an impossible thing, a great reversal of what's happening as people are worshiping their own God and offering their impure worship. But this is our prayer, that the name, the great name of our Lord would be recognized and praised. And is this not true, our, our motivation for evangelism, our bedrock motivation of all in our praying and meeting and people and telling them about Jesus is because our God is worthy of the worship of all peoples. Over the years, this has become more and more important to me um, and, and the work that God's called us to here in this pioneer mission field as my heart just is so often burdened by the worship that is given to spirits um, all around us every day. Even this morning, our landlord, um, and her daughter out to go buy food to put on their altar. And, and yet it's all over the world. Our idolatry sometimes looks different, but God is not receiving the worship he's worthy of. of. And this is what, what moves us to call people to praise him as we see him as he is, or at least part of what he is. We're calling all people to stop and behold our God who's different from what they think. He's a gigantic God. He is so enormous. And he's gracious. We're calling them to see him for who he is. And then to respond by humbly worshiping him. This is uh, what my heart loves to join in those, these Christmas carols that, that have this type of call to worship. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn king. And then we sing, oh, come, let us adore him. Come, let us adore him. As we join in the praise and worship of God, and we have that sense that this is what we're made for. God made us to worship him. We have to speak to others, and we have to call them. Come, join with us. Let's come worship the great and gracious God. This is what Isaiah chapter 40, God calls his heralds to, to, to message out as they go up on a high mountain. And he says, don't hold back, belt it out as loud as you can. Behold your God. What God? Behold Adonai Yahweh. Who is he? The God who comes with a strong hand. What hand? A hand that Isaiah 40 speaks of. His hand holding the oceans in it. He can hold all the waters of the earth. He is a great God. A hand that can measure the universe with a span. He is a great God. And yet a hand that Isaiah 40 also mentions that picture of the, the lamb. The lamb. that he pens his flock like a shepherd. And he, and he gathers the lambs in his arms. And, and he takes them close in his bosom. And he leads the, the pregnant mothers. A great and yet gracious God. And all of this just causes us to stand in awe and say, who is like the Lord our God? 
this is exactly where the where the psalm goes. If you look at the rest of the psalm, it emphasizes the greatness and the graciousness of God. Verse four says, the Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwells on high, who stoops far down to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. God stoops down. Here's the picture that is the same word used in the story of Babel. As, as the men got all their brains together and all their, all their uh, technology and power to build this incredible tower that was going to be so, so tall and reach up to heaven. It says God came and he came down to see what was going on. <laughs> such an such a irony there. The Lord stooped down. And here in this verse, the Lord stoops down in verse 6 to behold the things are in heaven. We look up and see and marvel at the moon and the, and the sun and the stars. And God looks down upon all the vast reaches of space from his position on his throne. He is a great God and there is no one like him. Well, we, it doesn't stop at verse six. If we conclude there, that our God is great and high and he's removed from us. And yeah, he may look down on us, but he, he doesn't come to us. But verse seven through verse nine are just incredible. God touches people. The great God who's high above in heaven comes down and touches people. What? Yes. He's not just stooping down to look down. He comes down to lowly people. He comes down to the Hannahs. Who are poor, who are in the dust, who are needy, who are barren, who are despised. Verse 7. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the dunghill. He takes them right out of the ash heap, the good-for-nothing pile. Everyone around them might think they're nobody. They're, they're, they're not worth any, any time and attention and love. God reaches down to those who are low. Verse 8, so that he may set him with princes, even the princes of his people. And verse 9 he settles the barren woman in a home as a joyful mother of children. Hannah, right there. He, this is the, the literal word. I, sorry if I, I changed the uh, translation a little bit to clarify some of the, the things. The word for the verb in this verse is, is God sitting down someone, God settling down someone. God reaches down to the barren woman. And sets her down in a home and it fills her heart with joy, the joy of having children. God just looks down on this, this woman who is so grieved and, and, and anxious in her spirit. And he says, yes, I'm going to give you your heart's desire. I'm going to give you children. And you're going to have many days of great pleasure of sitting down with your children. The joy of, of motherhood. Behold our gracious God. There is no one like him. In conclusion, I just want to read Isaiah 57, 15 here. It speaks of 
the contrast of God, so high yet coming so low. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God, help us see our great and gracious God for who he is and then to worship him and then to call everyone around us to come and worship him.